Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. After the resurrection has taken place, what happens next? What is the next thing? After you have been born again, after you have submitted yourself to baptism, after you have been raised to a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ, what happens next? After we have celebrated Easter, we have celebrated the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, what happens? After Easter, what else? What happens? That's what we want to deal with this morning. And that is why we read from our Bible, we read from the scripture this morning in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, we saw a sequence of events that took place. After the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that in the end of the Sabbath. As it began to dawn. Towards the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. You know, uh, uh, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. To see the sepulcher. And behold there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. And came and rolled back the stone. And rolled back the stone from the door. And sat upon it. And his countenance was like it was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for, and for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he laid. Now, from this verse of the scripture, we begin to see the beginning of the sequence of events that took place after Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The first thing we see from that verse of the scripture was that after the resurrection came an empty tomb. After the resurrection came an empty tomb. In verse number 6 of Matthew 28, the Bible says, For he is not here, for he, he is not here for his reason. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. The tomb was empty. Now, for life to be meaningful after the resurrection, we must encounter the empty tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ. For us to live a victorious Christian life after resurrection, you must experience the empty tomb. The question is why? Why do you have to experience the empty tomb? Or the tomb? Why is the empty tomb very important? The reason is because... The reason is because you must. The reason why you must encounter the empty tomb is because there will there will be a cloud of uncertainty around your faith if you have not experienced that empty tomb. What does that mean? It means that before the before the before the disciples saw the tomb, uh, saw the empty tomb, before the disciples saw that Jesus Christ was gone, they had questions at the back of their mind. They have, you know, they, Jesus Christ had promised them that he was going to raise up from the dead after third day. Jesus Christ had told them that he was going to be, he was going to be their part. He was the savior. He had, been, he had done a lot of miracles. They had seen that this was the Messiah, and all of a sudden, the next thing they saw that he was crucified, and now he's dead. And there was a lot of questions around there. Here was a man with dedication. Three years of our life following. It was a man that we have walked about. We have done miracles together. We have believed that at this point in time, he was going to bring back the position of Israel. He was going to make Israel great again. And all of a sudden, these guys just took him off and he's dead. So there was an air of uncertainty. And until you see the empty tomb, that uncertainty will be there. 
The same thing in your life. When you hear the preaching of the word of God, when you hear people telling you that Jesus Christ will save you, that Jesus Christ will deliver, that Jesus Christ will meet you at the point of your need, until you come to the point, and all of a sudden things begin to happen, until you come to the point of the empty tomb, that uncertainty will be there. So until you encounter the empty tomb, there will be a cloud of uncertainty about the future of our faith. Number two reason why the empty tomb is important. The empty tomb is important because until you see, until you encounter the empty tomb, there will be discouragement that your faith has been defeated. That was what happened to the disciples. They had believed that Jesus Christ could do anything. And he did a lot of things. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He delivered the oppressed. And then eventually they hung him on the, on the tree. And now that you, the man who had done all those things, for him to just die like that, there was a great discouragement in their heart. After the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, the disciples were simply discouraged. They could, they, they, like I said a minute ago, they had dedicated the last three years of their life they, to the guy who said that he was the Savior. Now he is dead. So discouragement was in the air. And until they saw that empty tomb, they were still continually discouraged. There will be discouragement that your faith has been defeated until you encounter that empty tomb. Number three, why the empty tomb is important. Until you encounter the empty tomb, there will be despondency and hopelessness. Because you are not only discouraged. You are not only unsure of what the future holds. You are talking about a, 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 hope, a hopelessness that say, okay, now what happens next? This is the guy that I spent my time. I had believed that everything was going to be fine with me for the rest of my life. All of a sudden, somebody just came and killed this guy. No, there is hopelessness in the air. And until you, until you see that empty tomb, until you encounter that empty tomb, there will be hopelessness and lack of courage, of, 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 the, of lack of courage to face the future in your life. Number four now, until you encounter the empty tomb, you will have fear and anxiety about the future. These guys, they knew. The, 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 the Jewish leaders were determined to wipe out Christianity. They were determined to wipe out all the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was why they went after the Lord Jesus. And when they were doing that, after Jesus Christ died, the disciples were not sure what the Jews were going to do to them. Because if they could kill Jesus, what about them? They would finish them off easily. So there was a fear and anxiety about their future. They did not know what would happen unto them. And until they saw that empty tomb, that the Jew was no longer there, that was when hope and you know, hope and courage to face the future, that was when it came unto them. It gave them hope. The empty tomb gave them hope. The empty tomb gave them courage. But that was why the very first thing that happened after Jesus Christ rose up was to let them know that where you laid me, I am no longer there. That particular place, that symbol of defeat, that symbol of hopelessness, that symbol of discouragement, where they had to go there and see that the Lord Jesus Christ was no longer there. That was why the first thing that happened was to show them the empty tube. The question then is, uh, what does the empty tube represent to the disciples? What does it represent to the disciples? And by extension, what does the empty tube represent for us today? The empty tube tells us, that they, it tells the disciples that Jesus, you know, that Jesus was who he said he was. Jesus was who he said he was. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the empty tomb proved that. Jesus, you know, the empty tomb told the disciples that Jesus had defeated death. The empty tomb told the disciples that Jesus had the power over life and death. The empty tomb told the disciples that their faith was secured. The empty tomb told the disciples that his promises are yes and amen. The empty tomb told the disciples that they had the victory over life and over death. Because the person that went before them had defeated life. He had defeated death. In other words, when you encounter the empty tube, 
It means that the power of life and death over your life has been defeated. When you encounter the empty tomb, it means that every death producing situation in your life is now under your feet. When you encounter the empty tomb, it means that everything that is killing hope in your life is now being, is now being reversed and turned around. The empty tomb turns things around. The second thing we see after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, apart from the empty tomb, was his appearance. Look at verse number 8 of Matthew 28. My number eight, the Bible said, and they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and did run and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. Jesus met them. Now it's one thing for you to see an empty tomb. It's another thing for you to see the resurrected Christ. Two different things. It's one thing for you to say, yes, Jesus Christ died, so we went away. He was, and there is nothing. It's another thing for you to now see the same Jesus that was dead. To now come alive and talk to you face to face. Okay? When you see the resurrected Christ, everything changes in your life. When you see the resurrected Christ, the vision of the resurrected Christ, everything is turned around in your life. When you see Jesus, things begin to happen in your life. That was what happened to Isaiah. The Bible says that in the year that Isaiah died, that, that the Lord God Almighty saw a vision of heaven. And he saw the glory of the Almighty God and Isaiah became a different person. When the three Hebrew children, three Hebrew children, were taken into the into the fiery furnace, the Bible says that they saw a fourth man whose image was that of a, like the son of like the son of living God. What happened? The fire that was supposed to consume them, that fire, that fire no longer had power, had power over them. When you encounter the resurrected Christ, when you see the living Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. For things to change in our life after we have celebrated Easter, we need a visitation of that resurrected Christ. You need to see that living Jesus. When you see him, everything changes. When you meet him, everything changes. When you see the resurrected Christ, fear will disappear. When you see the resurrected Christ, impossible become possible. When you see the resurrected Christ, unbelief, apprehension, doubt, and everything will disappear at the presence of the one that said, let there be light and there was light. When you see the resurrected Christ, everything changes. It's just when the Lord Almighty speaks to you about a particular situation in your life. And it gives you a clear revelation. It changes everything. Every fear, every doubt that you have had in the past, everything disappears when you get a vision of heaven for your life. Number three thing that happened after the resurrection was they saw the clear instruction. A clear instruction was given unto them. A word. They received a word from the Lord. Verse number 10. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they, uh, that, they, that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. Life after resurrection becomes meaningful when we receive a clear instruction of what is next from the Savior. In other words, when you sit down the way you are right now, and the Lord tells you tomorrow morning, this is what I am going to do for you, or this is what I want you to do for me, so that you can get X, Y, Z. I tell you, everything about you changes. It's just like somebody sits down right now and gives you a promise. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to pay off your mortgage if you have a mortgage. Or I'm going to pay off your student loan if you have student loan. Or I'm going to take care of something in your life. I tell you from this point, you cannot even wait for tomorrow to come. The reason is because you have received a clear instruction, a clear word from the person who you know has the power to do it. The same thing with the Almighty God. When the be, you know, at the time that Jesus Christ was crucified, these were people who, who had believed that Jesus was the Messiah. When he died, then there was a cloud that was hanging over their head. When they saw the empty tube, hope started coming. When they see the Lord Jesus, when they saw the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, everything became. Everything started 
started changing their life. But eventually when they now receive instruction, things begin to lighten up. Things began to shape up for them. Before the resurrection, the disciples were afraid. They were in hiding. They were discouraged. But they saw. But after they saw the Lord and received the word from Him, hope came alive. Then they suddenly realized that they were no longer alone. They suddenly realized that Christ was still mindful of them. They suddenly realized that Jesus had not abandoned them. That he was still part of His plan. That He still had a mission for them. That was why He said, "Come and meet me at a particular place." Can you imagine if you got a particular invitation from the most important person you have been looking forward to see? You are all, I mean, it makes a difference in your life. Here was a person that you thought to didn't even know you were still there. Here was a man you thought that never even thought about you. But this person that was dead and now alive, now called and said, go and tell my brethren to come and meet me. It tells them that they have not been abandoned. It tells them that their faith has not been abandoned. It tells them that they were still part of his plan. It told them that they still, he still had an assignment for them. He still wanted them in, 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 in his program. My brothers and sisters, life after resurrection becomes meaningful when you receive Receive a clear word from the Almighty God. And every day of your life when you receive a clear instruction from the Almighty God, it turns things around. Look at when Peter was still fishing. The Bible says he fished all night. And then then the morning when he came, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Hey, why don't you just take that net? You have been fishing all night. Put it on the right side of the ship. And everything turned around. The same word he gave unto... The same word he gave unto the same disciple. He said, just go and fish in the lake. When you fish in the lake, there is a particular fish that I've designated to pay your taxes and to pay mine. Just fish and bring it out and you'll find money. What I'm saying is that when you receive a word from the Lord, yeah. when you receive a word from the Lord, it changes everything. Yes, it does. Because it gives you a hope that you know that the Lord yeah. is mindful of your situation. Mm-hmm. The Lord is mindful of your condition. The Lord knows exactly where you are. And like a friend of mine, we always say, the Lord knows your address and is sending a specific letter to you, speaking you know, specifically about, about your situation. Life after resurrection becomes meaningful when we receive a clear instruction from the resurrected life, from the resurrected Christ. Thank you. Matthew 28, reading from verse 11, the Bible tells us, now when they were going, behold, some of the, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they had assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we, while we slept. And if it came, and if this came to the governor's ear, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught, as, as they were, and did as they were taught. And this and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Now, from this verse of the scripture, the next thing we saw after the resurrection is the conspiracy by the Jewish leader. A conspiracy by the Jewish leader. Now, just like the Jewish leader conspired to try to obscure the fact of the resurrection, just like the Jewish leader conspired to be able to discredit the events surrounding the, sur- surrounding the resurrection, the same way the world will try to discredit your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. I have always said it here, if you think that you are going to serve the Lord and you will not have persecution, think again. And during our life class this morning, we were taught how 
Paul the Apostle went through persecution. Anyone who will live godly for the Almighty God will suffer persecution. You will be discredited when you experience your translation into the kingdom of God. You will, there will be conspiracy from the pit of hell to be able to derail, to discredit and to distract you from walking the way that you have chosen to walk. They will do everything possible to make people doubt your testimony, to doubt the word of God in your life, to doubt the transformation that has happened in your life, to doubt the things that God has done in your life to be able to turn it around. But just as the gospel has survived, all the people who have tried to silence it, just as the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ has survived, all the centuries of those who have wanted to silence it, you will also survive if you do not faint. Because the Lord has given us that assurance. As long as you continue to hold on, as long as you continue to trust the Almighty God, as long as you continue to believe in Him, as long as you say that I will not let go, Easter will bring you victory. But the thing is that you have to remain faithful to the end. Number five thing that we see after the resurrection was worship. Matthew chapter 28, reading from verse number 16, the Bible says, And the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus has appointed them. And they saw him. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. After the resurrection, Jesus gathered the disciples together. The only appropriate response from the disciples when they saw the Lord was what? They fell down and they worshipped. I mean, what do you ask a person? When who has just been dead and is now raised to life. What kind of response do you give unto him? What kind of things do you want to say? Do you want to ask for the hole in his hand? Do you want to touch him? Do you want to smell him? Do you want to ask him what it was? When he, when he, when he, was, when he, when he was in the grave? I mean, what else do you say? The person who had told you that he was going to die and raise up the third day. And he actually died and he rose up on the third day. What do you do to that person? Immediately you see him, you worship. And that is what happened. They bent their knees in adoration. They bowed their knees to the almighty God and worshipped in adoration. The only thing that I want to let you understand this morning is that the soul that has gone to the the soul that will not bow his feet after seeing the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ is a soul that has not understood the power of the resurrection. A man who will not bow his knee and say Jesus is Lord does not even understand what it means to be resurrected. A soul that has not that will not bow his knee after resurrection is a soul that is in danger of hell. A person who will not bow his knee. After reading about the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. After seeing all that Jesus has done and is doing and will continue to do in the life of people. A soul that will not bow his knee to the Lord Jesus Christ is a soul that is in danger of hell. The question is, why did the disciples worship? Why did the disciples worship? The disciples worship because they saw the dead come to life. The disciples worshipped because they saw the power of the Almighty God on display. The disciples worshipped because they saw the power of death and hell defeated right in their very presence. Because they were there when they saw the, when they saw the Lord Jesus Christ die. The disciples worshipped because they saw the victory over death has been secured in their own life. They worshipped because they know the price has been paid. They know they worship because they know they have been reconciled to the Almighty God. They worship because they know that God Almighty now has them, that they are now in the corner of the Almighty God. They know that they worship because they know that what Jesus did for them, they could not have done for themselves. Amen. That was why they worship. So you see, life after Easter takes on a new meaning when we bow our knees to the resurrected Lord. Number six. After the resurrection, the system that happened was the commissioning. The commissioning. 
And if you read from verse number 18, the Bible tells us there. It says, and Jesus, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You see, the point of the resurrection... The point of the resurrection is to declare the lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ to the whole world. That is the very essence of why Jesus Christ came. That the whole world will know that this is the resurrected Savior. They share the saving grace. That was the whole point of the resurrection. The Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 12. Reading from verse number 12, the Bible says, Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat falls unto the ground and die. It abides alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth more fruit. In other words, Jesus is saying that as long as I'm here on earth and I have not paid the price, I have not been I have, I have not been crucified. Until I am crucified and resurrected, the gospel will not be able to touch the whole world the way it's supposed to. And that is exactly what he did. That is why he would, that is the whole point of the resurrection. It is to depopulate hell and to populate the kingdom of God. The whole point of the kingdom is to be able to bring the people who have not yet known the Lord to become to begin to have an idea of who the Lord is to bring more sons and daughters to the kingdom of our dear God and the only way to achieve this is by the commissioning of the disciples is by saying that I'm sending you out to do the work if God wanted the angels to do it he would have sent the angels and they would have done a better job I can assure you but he chose you he chose me he chose us to do the work. Why did he choose us? He chose us because you have tasted of the goodness of God. And because you have tasted of that goodness, you are in a better position to tell the whole world what you have tasted. A man who has never eaten potros yeah, can never describe what potros look like. You can read about it in the book. Okay? Or maybe you don't like potros. Maybe we'll look for something else. Okay, uh-huh. maybe what do we like? Maybe if you, uh, I don't know. Exactly, if you don't like barbecue, if you have never eaten barbecue ribs, you can never describe barbecue ribs. You can read about it, you can see the pictures, you know, but it's not the same thing as eating barbecue ribs. The same thing, if you have never encountered the power of the resurrected Christ, if you have never been saved, if the glory of the Almighty God has never shown in your life, how do you want to describe it? And that's why in the wisdom of the Almighty God, He said, who are, be- who are the people best equipped to be able to propagate this gospel? They are the people who have encountered that particular grace. They are the people who have enjoyed it. They are the people whose sins have been washed away. The people who have enjoyed the amazing grace that brings them out of the merry clay into the place where they can worship the Almighty God. That is why He gave up. That is why He did not send the angels to do it. That's why He sent us. And that's why the commissioning came after the resurrection because the Lord wanted you to experience something and then go out and share that experience the Lord wanted you to taste something and then go out and describe the beauty of what you have tasted the Lord wanted you to partake of something so that now you now have something to tell the whole world and say I have partaken of this and I have seen it and I know that it is good that means that when you have encountered the risen Lord you have a responsibility to tell others that's what it simply means that every one of us that have become Christians, every one of us who have enjoyed the saving grace, we have a responsibility to share that saving grace with other people. You have a responsibility to share the love of God to the people who, you know, who, who, who are still outside of the grace. You have a responsibility to tell the others and bring them into the kingdom. And then finally, the last thing that we see in the, you know, after the resurrection, 
was a very strange thing. The strange instruction that Jesus Christ gave them. And you find this in the book of Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, reading from verse number 39, the Bible tells us there. The Bible says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, until you be endued with power from on high. Like I said, the whole point of the resurrection is to be able to declare the Lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ to the whole world. But to do this, Jesus told his disciples, he said that you need more than your testimony. You need more than your charisma. You need more than your wisdom. You need more than your learning. You need more than your understanding. You need the promise of the Father to be able to do the work of the Father. You need the promise of the kingdom. You need the promise of the Father. You need the Holy Ghost to be able to do what He is calling you to do. The disciples needed the power of the Holy Ghost. If they were going to turn the whole world upside down and to get the power of the Holy Ghost, they must wait on the Father until He releases it upon them. And in the word of our Lord Jesus Christ, in other words, Jesus was saying unto them, Easter is needed for you. You know, for after Easter, you need to wait for the promise of the Father. You need to wait for the release of that promise upon your life. You need to wait for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You need to wait for Him to be able to equip you, to be able to do what He's giving you the assignment to do. Many of us, when we get a new job, the first thing they do is they take you through orientation. Why do they take you to orientation? So that you can understand what you have been asked to do. So that you can receive the instruction to do what you have been asked to do. So that you can receive the equipment. That's when they give you the badge. They give you the access code. They give you a computer. They give you a cell phone if you need a cell phone. And they give you all that you need to be able to do the job. The reason is because they know that they cannot give you an assignment and expect you to use your own resources. They know it doesn't work like that. The same thing in the kingdom of God. The Lord is giving you an assignment and is asking us to first of all, before you go out and do the job, you need to come to orientation. You need to get the manual. You need to get the handbook. You need to be logged into the system. You need to be given the access code. You need to be given the badge. You need to be shown where the cafeteria is. You need to be able to know what the, what the benefits are. You need to be given the things that you need to do the job and do it effectively. Because God, like the regular employer knows, he cannot give you an assignment and expect you to use your own resource to do it. Okay? If you get a job and the employer says, okay, you are going to buy your own computer. You are going to use your own money. You are going to buy your own uniform. You are going to do everything. And what are you going to do for me? Well, I'm only going to pay you for doing... I mean, you begin to wonder, what kind of employer is this? And I doubt it if you are going to stay long with that person. The same thing. Why then do you need to wait? Why do you need to wait? We wait because strength. By your own strength, you cannot do it. You cannot do the work of God with the, with the arm of the flesh. You cannot do the work of God by your own power. And that was what Samuel was saying in the book of Samuel chapter 2 verse 9. He said, he keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. In other words, in your own wisdom, in your own ability, with your own connection, with all the things that you know, you cannot do the work of God with your own power. That is why you must wait. Why must we wait? We wait because they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. That's what the book of Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 tells us. It says, for they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagle. They shall run and not, wait, and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. We wait because we wait because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength because if you try to do it in your own ability you will fail if you try to do it in your own strength you will fail 
Why do we wait? We wait because those who wait upon the Lord will mount up on wings as ego. In other words, you will fly and you will do things that you never thought it was possible to do. Why do we wait? We wait because you run and you will not be weary. That is why it is possible for us to come here every Sunday, every Friday and do what we do. Not because we know we can do it, but because we trust in the ability of the Almighty God to help us do it. Why do we wait? We wait because when we walk, we will not faint. In other words, as we begin to serve it, as we begin to serve the body of Christ, as we begin to minister to the body of Christ, as we begin to do the things that God requires us to do, you will not become weary. That is why you wait. So that the Lord Almighty will fill you to overflowing. So that the Lord Almighty will replenish your strength. So that you begin to have the ability to be able to move forward. And this morning, after after our life class, the prayer was said that you cannot do this thing by your own power. And that's why you need the infilling of the Holy Ghost. When you are still walking and complaining, when you are still doing it, when you are still really responding to the flesh, when you are still seeing that people don't appreciate you, when you still think that you are the best thing that happened after sliced bread, that you know that at that point in time, you need additional strength. We wait because we cannot do the work of God with the strength of men. You cannot do it. That is why we wait on the promise of the Father. And we will not experience the full manifestation of the resurrection power until you receive the promise of the Father. And you cannot receive that promise of the Father unless you wait. God does not run your timetable. God does not operate on your own schedule. He operates on his own schedule. It's never too late and it's never too early. He will come in at the right time. But you will have to learn to wait. You will have to learn to wait. The full manifestation of the resurrection will not come until we receive the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father will not come until we do what? We wait upon Him. The unfortunate thing is that many lose the benefit of working with God because they are not willing to wait for the promise of God. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.